This is Rob Tubber for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Delighted, as always, to be joined by Shane McGuigan. It's fight week, fight camp week two. How are you, Shane? Yeah. Good, mate. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Bit of a different fight week experience, this, for me and you. Um, Zoom, we have to make you. Are you missing me? To be honest, we are, mate, you know. Um, who's going to sit around and eat all the food? Do you know what I mean? So it's up to me and Pritchard this week. So we've got no eating buddies. But, um, you know, Ryan and yourself are are missed dearly. But the kitchen doesn't miss you. Just to give that a bit of uh, context, what we do uh, at Boxing Social is we like to eliminate any temptation that the fighters might have around making Yeah, weight. eat all of the desserts. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> How are you, Shane? Been a while since I've seen you. Good, mate. Actually, speaking about that, on that note, right, we did a show with Josh Taylor versus Miguel Vasquez, right, and Ryan was working for us at the time, right, and after the fight, Miguel Vasquez was sitting there with his coach, and he was eating a, a McDonald's, right, because we ordered a McDonald's in because they wanted some food afterwards, and Ryan ate his so quickly, right, that Miguel Vasquez, even after doing 11 rounds with Taylor and getting stopped, he felt sorry for him, so he gave him the rest of his burger. <laughs> oh, that is just fucking bright. And it was his like third third meal of that night, but it was it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now everyone knows that one. Yeah, sorry, Ryan. Um, for people who don't know, I don't know why I'm going to out him anyway. But yeah, for people who don't know, that's Ryan Elliott, also of Boxing Social. Um, just in case yeah. you didn't know who to. Uh, to take the mick out of when that story goes out. But anyway, let's get serious. Fight camp. Let's start with Chris Billum-Smith defends his, his Commonwealth title for the first time against Nathan Forley. Should have happened a few months ago. It's happening now. Talk to us about the yeah. fight. Um, yeah, interesting fight. You know, uh, it's weird being in this setup because you can see everyone. You know, you, you're walking around the hotel and see Gary Lockett and him walking around and, uh, you know, trying to, play the intimidating card a little bit, you know, uh, which is funny because me and Gary, you know, we, 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 we get on well, do you know what I mean? But, you know, they're, they're obviously massively serious, massively up. He's, he said it in the press, he said it in the face-to-face today, this is Chris Billen Smith is his world title fight. And, and this is his big breakthrough. This is his big opportunity, Nathan Forley. Uh, and, you know, look, Chris understands how lucky he is to be in this position. You know, he didn't get the accolades as an amateur. Um, you know, he, he didn't get on the national podium squad or anything like that. So he's had to almost, you know, turn pro with myself and, and we put him on, on Channel 5 shows and Cyclone shows. And now he's, he's boxing, you know, uh, under matching shows at the moment. And he's, uh, he's doing really, really well. So he knows how hard he, he has, he's, he's sort of had to work to get this to this position, you know, and um, he's not going to, he's not going to come up short. So he's put a lot of training into it. It's sparred. Many, many rounds of Lawrence Coley. It's been really, really hard actually to get some sparring. Sorry, this phone's just moving. Um, it's been hard to get uh, a lot of sparring for Chris because people just are saying, you know, they're not, they're not in, in shape or they're just, they've only had a couple of weeks back training after lockdown and stuff. So Lawrence has been a big help and they've done plenty of rounds and, and he's looking really good. Going back to what you were saying about Chris Billum Smith, I spoke to him um, a few moments ago and kind of said to him that, you know, you make the point about him not having an extensive amateur career and not having a great amount of expectation. Yet now he's Commonwealth champion. He goes into this fight with some expectation. He is the heavy favourite. Is, is that going to affect him? Have you seen any changes in his demeanour around fight week at all? No, not really. I mean, look, he knows it's, you know, he knows he would be the bookie's favourite, but at the same time, you know, he was the bookie's underdog against uh, Richard Riakpour, and we both felt he won that fight. So it doesn't really change his his uh, his approach going into the fight. I don't think he really, I don't think he really feels pressure that much anyway. Chris, he's quite a laid back sort of kind of guy. He knows that it only takes one punch or one bad performance to, you know, to to derail your career. So he understands the the repercussions of you know not being switched on, as it were. Um, so no, I haven't seen anything different. I mean, it's just this setup here is a little bit different. You know, it's just a bit, it's a bit different seeing your opponent quite uh, regular, uh, regularly, I should say. Terrible grammar there. Uh, but no, it's just a bit of a different setup. But you know, we we've managed to get all our sections in the whole way through through um, 
the training camp and stuff. And, you know, he's, he's even managed to go and see physios and, and it hasn't been too dissimilar in, it in terms of a, uh, a training camp. So he is well prepared and I don't think he, I don't think he feels much added pressure going in as a favourite. You mentioned about um, sparring and that's something else that came up in Chris's uh, interview when I spoke to him. I know how, how integral and how key sparring is in your preparation for your fighters. Just tell me a little bit about the inconvenience of that and, and the lack of sparring partners for one reason or another due to COVID. It just seems like everyone's not fit. Everyone that we normally took call is just not fit. So, and, you know, we do, we do a lot of rounds with, um, I mean, you know, we do a lot of rounds anyway with Lawrence because the two of them are in camp, but it, they, they've sparred so many rounds and they are teammates that it's sometimes it, you wouldn't call it not live because if people are in there, they're, they're watching it and they're just thinking, wow, these guys are, are you know, really laying into each other. But, um, you know, you start picking up on people's habits and, and rhythms and, and, and when they're going to punch and when they're not. And it's always nice to have someone fresh come in, you know, someone with a different style or, you know, that, that will come in. And we tried to get Joshua Boatsy to do some rounds, but, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't available. And then we tried to go and get some, some sparring up at Don Charles's with, um, uh, with Jordan Thomas and a few others. But, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they, they weren't that fit at the time. So it just it, it seems like everyone we really tried to get, we, we couldn't really get much sparring. So we literally just sparred Lawrence and, and one other for this camp. But at the same time, you're getting world-class spine with a guy who's arguably the best cruiserweight in the world um, in the gym so you know and just before going into lockdown he was doing rounds with Marius Bradis so he's mixing with good people it's just he hasn't had as much variety of, uh, of sparring as he would have normally had. I've also seen Lawrence um, recently vacate the European title obviously he's got his eyes set on the world title the WBO shot against Christoph Glavatsky um, Eddie said that Chris could be in line to fight for that against Tommy McCarthy. Um, yeah. Seems crazy to think that 12 months ago, beltless, and his next fight after this all being well could be for the European title. Yeah, that's what we're looking at. You know, we're looking at, at, getting, at getting a win on Friday night, you know, and, and, and looking good in the process. Um, and then we're going to look to, to, to potentially, you know, box Tommy McCarthy for the European title. So, that's uh, that's the route. That's a great route to have in, in in sort of hindsight. But he needs to go and get the job job done on Friday night. And something about Nathan Forley that that just makes me, you know, really sit back and take take note because he, he's he's a serious guy and he's with Gary Lockett, who's also a serious coach. Um, and you know, they uh, he looks really healthy. Most people on on fight week look a little bit drained or whatever, but because he's just coming up from from like heavy, looks really healthy. He's probably going to be full of energy. Um, and it could be a potential banana skin for us. Do you know what I mean? And, and what's more important is it's not, it's, you know, it's about looking good and it's very hard to get a lot of footage on, on Nathan Foley. And obviously once he's gone up to cruiserweight, he'll, he'll naturally have a slightly different style because he was so much taller than these like heavies. He was just peppering them with shots. Once he's up there, you know, with the bigger guys that sort of matching him for height and size and stature, you know, he's going to have to be a lot more selective with his punches because, you know, one, one, one shot by Chris or, or a big cruiserweight, um, you know, can, can, can take you out of your stride. So I know he's been doing a lot of sparring with Enzo Macronelli, um, which even though he's, you know, he's past his, you know, he's past his best and he's retired, he's still dangerous. And I'm sure like as a spar, he would be a really, a really hard, hard spar. So I'm sure he'll come really prepared. But, um, but yeah, I, look, I've got really big hopes for Chris. You know, from his amateur, he only had 43 amateur fights. He only won 31 of them. But, you know, he's, he's, he's really, he's a late developer. He's a late bloomer. And he's taken to this professional game really well. Um, he's, you know, getting more power in his shots. He's sitting down in his shots. And he's got, you know, he's being surrounded by a good team, if I might say so myself. Um, joking about But, no, he's... Uh, He's, you know, he's being surrounded by a good team, a lot of good athletes, and he's he's got that inner belief in himself, and and that is a that's a dangerous man. Moving away from Chris Bill and Smith, of course, you do have another charge in action. Um, Anthony Fowler fights Adam Harper. Um, what can you tell us about Adam Harper? Again, not somebody I've known a tremendous yeah. amount of. Hasn't been the most active in recent times. Yeah, I think he had a bit of bit of time out of the ring. Um, He's, I think he's born in '89, so he's about, you know, he's 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 30 or 30, 
you know, he's, he's around 30, 31. So, you know, he's only had nine fights, uh, sorry, 10 fights, nine wins, one loss. But tough guy. His loss was on points. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be fit and game and strong. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those, those ones that there's also not a, a huge amount of footage on him. Um, he's, he's boxed a lot of guys that, you know, that haven't really been world beaters or anything. He's boxed a lot of, sort of journeymen and stuff like that. So it's hard to know how, how good he is or how tough he is, really. Um, but, you know, he's, he's up for it. He's game. And, you know, I think, uh, I think his style will, will play into to Fowler's perfectly. You know, I've done a lot of work with, with Fowler in, um, you know, the, at the start of the year when we linked up together. Um, and it was a bit of a letdown to get that fight last minute, you know. Um, we had, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a pull out from Flatley. I think he had something wrong with his foot or something, like on on fight week or five days out or something like that. So we had a, we had a change of an opponent, and, and the guy obviously, you know, was was wasn't a test at all. So we haven't had any like live rounds together, but we've had Aaron McKenna over from from, uh, from Monaghan over. He's actually based out with uh, Freddie Roach in LA. We've had him over for sparring and. And, um, you know, he's also had some rounds with Sean Lazzarini, guy, guy from Scotland as well, from GB, he's a good fighter. So, so you know, he's, he's got some good, good, good quality rounds in before this one. And I think, you know, this is going to be our chance to sort of show what, what we've been working on in the gym and, um, and for him to sort of make a statement, especially after last week where there was, there was such a good fight, 154 pounds. Uh, you know that that division dom domestically is is red hot. You know you have got Fitzgerald who's been in. I think he's been in a little bit of personal trouble and stuff. So he's you know he's trying to sort himself out. But you know and he's obviously got the British title. But you know we we want we want some big names domestically. You know I want to I want Anthony to crack on with his career at this stage. You know he's 29. He needs to really put the foot on the accelerator now and uh, and make sure that he he relishes these these good years of his body. You mentioned Eggington Cheeseman being kind of first up and, and creating that good impression. Is that has that given Fowler a little bit of lift, a little bit of extra impetus to perform this weekend? Yeah, I don't think he needs much uh, much of a lift really. I mean, he's always he's always looking to go out and put on a show, and he's got a lot of supporters, but he's got a lot of doubters at the same time. So you know, for for him, he's very self motivated, um, and he wants to just become the best person, best version of himself. You know, and um, you know. But he, we both had a close eye on that fight on uh, on on Saturday night, and you know I thought Cheeseman would have would have won it probably a lot a lot easier. I thought it could have gone to points, and maybe even him as a as a late stoppage. But it was such a evenly fought contest, and um, you know the two of them showed that they're you know that they're that they're in their primes and their pumps, and they and they put on a great a great show. You know, I mean everyone was writing Eggington off, saying you know he's passed it and finished, but he looked a little bit. He looked a bit on the on the downward slide against Liam Smith, but he came back and and pulled one out. So um, out of the bag, and I, I thought it was a very close fight, but I did give it just just to Cheeseman. So it's a it's a good fight potentially down the line for um, for Anthony. But you know the the most important fight for us is is the Fitzgerald fight if he can get himself well and and healthy. Obviously, without giving away too much of your game plan ahead of this weekend, what sort of things have you been working on specifically with Fowler in preparation? So I haven't been working on anything tactically. Well, we, we, we've worked on sort of game plans and tactics, but we haven't been working on anything specifically in the gym. I'm trying to get Anthony Fowler at this stage to mould into, you know, a slightly different style because, um, you know, just trying to get him to pick his feet up, work a little bit more on feints, a little bit more on, on his movement. Um, and his posture, you know, he's. Uh, I really believe the position of a of a fighter, wherever they are, they can generate more power. Um, and I've been working on trying to get his body in the right positions to to sort of deliver some power and increase his speed a little bit because he's, you know, he's he's um, sometimes he sometimes falls into a bit of a, you know, into a bit of a routine of just standing there and, and rocking side to side and punching. I mean, big like big shots, but it can be quite predictable. So. For me, it's just working on making sure that he's picking his legs up, sometimes stepping off the lines and, 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 and working on more speed uh, and making sure he's in the right position. And, and you, if you're working at that, then naturally your power will go up and you, know, you can, and, and you can find the shot. So 
Um, you know, I think Adam Harper's is quite hit, hittable. You know, from what I've seen, he looks like he's quite hittable, but he's, he looks like he's got a good chin. Um, so it's something for, for Anthony not to sort of get in a Hugo Igo sort of, I would call it like those domestic fights, like you have a go block, you have another go, I'll block. Do you know what I mean? Back and forth battles. You know, you know, it's if you get dragged into a fight like that with Adam Harper, you're in for a hard night. So it's it's about making sure that we can uh, we can shut him down when he's working and uh, and and sort of you know line them up and and hit with big shots. Just want to touch on what you've said about preparing fighters when there's not a mass amount of footage to go off, and obviously everybody's preparation has been impacted and hampered yes. by COVID in some way, shape, or form. Is it about keeping it simple for you as a trainer when that's the case, when you've got little footage and, you know, less than ideal preparations? Is that what you kind of try and drum in? Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you think, you go out in the first bell, no matter who you're, like, as soon as you start sparring someone and you don't necessarily know much about them, you know, you go out and, and as a kid, you would have gone around to loads of different gyms and most people take that first round to go and have a little feel out and, and sort of suss them out and, you can work on a certain shot the whole way through the whole way through a training camp and get in there and you just can't get it off. Do you know what I mean? Some fighters have brushed up on that shot or they've brushed up on their technique a little bit. So yeah, I think a lot of a lot of coaches and fighters can, can get drawn drawn into these game plans and, and everything like that. But but really if you get knocked off the game plan, you've got to be able to adapt and, and that's what a good fighter will do. They a good fighter will start to pick up on habits and, and read the fighter as, as the rounds go on. Do you know what I mean? Someone like Luke Campbell's perfect at it. You know, he very rarely watches any footage of people. You know, he watched footage of Lomachenko, but, you know, we had to with him because he's a, he was a bag of tricks. But, you know, if, if I put Luke in there to spar anyone, you know, he's, he's not really a big boxing man. He won't, like, he won't know a lot about everybody. He'll just go in and just, he'll, he'll start figuring them out as the rounds go on. And, and that's a sign of a really good fight. It will start picking up on traits round by round and, and, and improving on it. And, you know, as soon as an opponent's in front of you, so someone like Adam Harper, if he has someone that's going to stand with him, you know, like he might, he might do something completely different. Whereas, if, you know, you've got a different style, a different stature. If he's getting buzzed, he might go on the back foot. You can never really rely on a specific, oh, he's going to do this and he's going to do that. So, that's why I say, you know, make sure you go out there and establish your establish your centering, establish your jab, and you know, and uh, and we'll we'll work on 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 Anthony Fowler, what he needs to do rather than what his opponent's going to be doing. How were you anticipating, if at all, the no crowd to affect both the fighters and yourself as a coach? Won't won't affect us at all. I mean, you know, I, I remember Chris had his um. What what what. Oh, he's just asleep. I was going to ask him. <laughs> Pritchard's in the corner here. Who was when he boxed when George boxed Jamie Cox? Who did he? Was it his second fight? I think it was his, on, yeah. yeah, it was his second or third fight, and Chris was in. And basically, he was he was in before any of the um, any of the media or fans were allowed in. And literally, as the first bell went, thirty seconds in, all Chris's fans rushed in. But you know, it was a bit weird. I remember we walked out and there was just nothing going on. Um, because they because they didn't even have music going into the ring because of because uh, the production team wasn't there. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be much different than that. You know, obviously he's going to be in a live fight, but it's just like going into the gym and sparring. I'm I'm one of these guys that my my gym is it's eerily quiet at times. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm a serious person. I, like my fighters know that when they get in there, we can banter and have a, have a laugh and stuff. But when it goes to work, when it's time to go to work, we 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 turn the music off, and when we spar, there's there's very little, um, you know, like he, whoever's sparring, their coach can say say what they want to say. We, can, myself, my dad, and Josh can be in in the corner and give instructions, but we ask that everyone in the gym or, you know, is is quiet and there's no music. So, I don't think it'd be much different than a, than one of our sparring sessions, really. You know, obviously with ten ounce gloves on, and and uh, you've got to be really switched on, but you know. It's. I don't think. I don't think it will be. I don't think it'll be too dissimilar. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Really. Um, before we move on and talk about the other McGuigan's gym fighters, um, a word on the McKenna's who came over, as you mentioned, to come over yeah. and spar with Anthony Fowler. Um, both highly touted. Both um, hear rave reviews about both of them. What, what did you make of having them over, and what kind of work was Fowler getting from 
Was Aaron or Steve was the one who Aaron, yeah, yeah. Aaron. Aaron's a, Aaron's a slightly heavier guy. He walks around. I think he's gone up to 154 pounds, but he's a big lump. You know, he, I think he walks around at about 170 or something like that. So, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a big kid and he's, he's very, very good. You know, they're, they're from... I remember I went over when I was boxing in 2008. Uh, I think I, I was using their gym. And they, their dad's gym, it used to be called Smithborough Gym, which is where my dad trained. But it's it's now changed to Old Town Boxing or something, um, boxing club. And um, yeah, they were like, yay high. They were tiny. Um, and we got some photos of them in like 2008 or nine or something. And um, they, were little, they were little mini kids. But, you know, they, they went through the Irish system. And then I think they turned pro really young. I mean... Aaron's had what ten fights now? I think he's had six stoppages or something. So, but he's just turned twenty-one. So he's turned pro. Must have turned pro at nineteen or something. Um, you know, and and it. I think I personally think that's the right way to do it. Do you know what I mean? Because there's so many kids now that are coming out of the Olympics set up or the GB and stuff, and and um, you know they're they're twenty-seven, twenty-eight, thirty years of age, and and they've got loads of miles on the clock because they've had international fights and wars at the top level for eight eight years or whatever and they're going into the pro ranks you know part not past their best but they might be going in at prime where really they should have been in the professional ranks for the last five or six years building themselves up slowly and when their body's at its optimal they're 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 in there have you know fighting for big paydays and you know someone like the McKenna's have, have done the right thing they've turned professional early they both can really fight Stevie's been out sparring, you know, a lot of, he sparred Lomachenko before uh, Luke Campbell fight. He sparred Ivan Baranchek, Victor Postel, you know, he's with, he's in Roach's gym, so he's sparring top, top people. And Aaron's the same, you know, he sparred a lot of the uh, people in Robert Garcia's gym and stuff like that. So you can tell that they're, even though they're very young, they're very seasoned um, and they can, and they can really, really fight. So we've got some invaluable rounds um, in the bank for, for Anthony before this one. So, um, you know, and, and I've got really high hopes for a pair of them. Both real, real nice, nice kids. And Fergal, the dad, is you know he's he's heavily invested in them. I mean, he's he's up he's upped himself from Monaghan and gone out and lived with them in LA. And you know, he's 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 very dedicated towards the two of them. And I really hope they all succeed because they're they're good people. I think we saw something that came across about Stevie sparring a certain Ryan Garcia as well. Yeah, he said he done um, done four. Was supposed to do six. Done four. He said he just laid, went straight into him, laid into him, and uh, he got out after four. And then they they, they asked to go and spar again. And um, I don't think uh, I, I think Garcia didn't didn't turn up. So um, you know, but sparring, sparring, sparring is one thing. Only you know, it's uh, but you know, in terms of being a young pro like the two of them, it's invaluable experience to go out to America and get. It's hard sparring. You know, it can it can make or break fighters when you go out to America because there's no pulling punches. It's like a fight every time. You know, I remember my dad told me he went out to Gleason's, and I actually went out to Gleason's when I was in 2008 as well. So, but I remember dad going out and saying that um, that he just had wars every day. He was in he was in New York for a month, and every day it was just a war. You know, and you can you can see like it can bring you on massively, but it can also put a lot of you know put a lot of miles in the clock and stuff so the two of them are doing the right thing they're getting lots of experience but you know they've uh, you know that, that this is the right stage of their career to be doing that early on mentioned ryan garcia let's move on to ryan garcia versus luke campbell um real big buzz around that fight uh, seemingly every time i open social media there's something talking about ryan garcia versus luke campbell where where do we stand with that? I mean, I spoke to Eric Gomez. Eric Gomez said that there had been an offer and negotiations were going. Eddie said something kind of similar, but there wasn't much of substance. What can you tell me? Well, I know that there's been an offer. Um, I know what the offer was, and it was a substantial offer. So, you know, I know that uh, that, Go that Golden Boy are, are interested in that offer. They're interested in the fight. And, um, you know, I don't think team matchroom are too, are too far off from securing him do you know what I mean so there's not a lot I can really say in this, in in, the, in terms of negotiations but yeah Eddie's in the hotel at the moment we've had a little chat uh, and it's just really you know it's just it's just seeing what what uh, what everyone's happy with and and um, and then trying to make the fight do you know what I mean I think we're looking at October 
potentially end of October. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a fight that that really appeals to me and Luke. You know, we were pretty disheartened the fact that you know we were going to be fighting uh, Fortuna for the for the world title, and then Haney's come back, and and now Fortuna you know was going to be boxing us for the interim, but. I knew deep down, you know, I know that uh, Samson Leikovic and, uh, and Fortuna's team, I know that they didn't like the Luke Campbell fight. You know, it was, it was obviously ordered, so they had to, had to take that. But they know how dangerous Luke is. You know, he's a, he's a sharpshooter. He's a southpaw that's got height and he can punch as well. So they all know that, that he's, a, he's a handful. And, um, you know, we don't hold anything against them. But they took the Linares fight instead. So that's, that's for a WBC diamond, whatever fucking title. Um, but you know we're we're sitting waiting on patiently, and uh, we've we've gone with the WBC. The fight's been ordered with um, for the for the interim title against uh, Ryan Garcia. But there's still other options there in terms of you know if we can't come to an, in, into to an agreement soon, you know there's also the Devon Haney fight for Luke Campbell as well. It's just about making sure it makes makes sense. The right the right fight makes makes sense. Do you know what I mean? So you know. Luke has been proven. He's been he's been tested. He's been proven. He still hasn't got his chance at winning a world title. He wants to he wants to get that world title. But um, you know, there's, there's some fantastic fights out there, even outside of the WBC uh, rankings. You know, there's Teofimo Lopez. There's Lomachenko fight again. There's Javante Davies. Do you know what I mean? There's Devin Haney as well. There's there's so many great fights. Do you know what I mean? So he's in it. He's lucky to be involved in a fantastic division. Um, and these next couple of years for Luke, we have to try and get in that world's title fight. Do you know what I mean? So that's the priority for, for myself and Eddie. Is there purse bids due for Brian Garcia versus Luke Campbell? Is there a deadline? Uh, I don't think it will get to purse bids, but it could do. So, you know, that, that's, that's the next option is if we can't come to an agreement, we'll have to go to purse bids and then, and then uh, you know, we, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll hopefully get Eddie to trump up a, a lot of money for it. Or Golden Boy can. While we're hovering around um, the lightweights, you just mentioned Javante Davis. Now, he's just been announced to be fighting somebody you know very, very well in Leo Santa Cruz. Um, but the WBA yeah. 130 and 135 titles, I don't know. I don't, make I don't know how that works. No, me neither. But let's focus on the fight. Uh, what do you make of that fight? Obviously, you've prepared Carl Frampton to box Leo Santa Cruz twice. You know him as well, I'm assuming, as you would any other opponent. And I know you're a yeah. big fan of Javante Davis. Talk to me about that fight. I think Leo's a very underrated fighter in the sense, like, he's very technically schooled. Um, you know, he's, he's got... His, from where his wrist is to his elbow, he's got these really long forearms. He tucks underneath them really well, and he pops out nice shots. But he's got good engine, and he, he, does, he does everything. He's not spectacular at one thing he's just very sound at everything and he and when he was a bantamweight he was marching through people do you know what I mean won a, won a world title at bantamweight had that size carried that punching power moved up to super bantamweight you know same thing uh, you know blitzing people and then you know he went up to feather and that's when Carl, Carl boxed him you know and that was almost like that fight against Carl Carl hurt him early on um and you know, boxed really well, but it was a nip and tuck fight the whole way through. Um, you know, and and we got the decision that time. And then in the rematch, Carl started a bit, started a bit relaxed. Did, don't think he really appreciated Leo Santa Cruz's punching power. Went out, got caught, you know, not got hurt or anything, but just got offset early on. And we were playing catch up. And you know, you can't you can't say that Leo Santa Cruz isn't. Well, school because yeah, he, he was nicking rounds and he was doing everything like technically really, really well. But I look at Javante Davis and I just think that guy's a, a phenomenal fighter. He, he is a, he's a fantastic fighter. And I just think that, that fight up at 135 pounds, even, I mean, you know, I know Javante Davis gets heavy. So if I'd have been Santa Cruz's team, I probably would have tried to get it at 130 pounds. Um, that's why I'm not sure what's going on with the I think, is, I think it is at 130, but is I it mean, matched at 130? I think so, yeah. But I think it's well, that's a good thing, you know. But I mean, it's not gonna, I don't think it's gonna help him. I just think you know, you're gonna need to maximize yourself as or or sort of bring that guy out of his comfort zone a little bit, you know. He's 
even at 135 pounds, his last couple of weigh-ins, Javante Davies has had to strip down starters. So, you know, I know there's, there's definitely a discipline issue there, but he's a fantastic fighter. And I think that, um, you know, I think once he starts hitting uh, Santa Cruz, I think he'll just start busting them up. And, and, and uh, I think he could, he could potentially stop him mid to late rounds because, yeah, he's, he's, just, he's, he's a very ferocious puncher. And um, uh, I just think he'll be you know, too big, too strong. You can see, that, see what he did against, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Red Catch. You know, Ivan Red Catch is sparring. Yeah, I mean, he's just punching him from one side of the ring to the other. And if you look at even Tuofimo Lopez versus him in sparring, he's just, he's, he's just phenomenally strong and pushing him about all the ring and stuff. So, the kid's a freak, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a very, 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 very talented fighter. Um, and, you know, I just think Santa Cruz, is, it's a step too far for Santa Cruz at this stage of his career as well, because he had a lot of hard fights. You look at those, even those, you know, those fights with Adam Myers, those fights with Frampton, you know, he's, he's had hard fights. Um, and there's a lot of miles on the clock. And I just think, you know, he's, he, his best days were down at Feather, you know, and and super bantam and, and bantam really this you shouldn't be mixing up at up at 130 135 pounds with guys like Javante Davis because they're they're just that that little bit bigger that's more, that bit stronger and um, you know and, and and he doesn't carry his attributes through the weights as as, as well so spoke about Tiafimo Lopez there um, that fight between him and Vasil Lomachenko Tiafimo Lopez told me himself when I saw him in Vegas that. The fight was done. It was going to be May 28th. Now, obviously, coronavirus has, has affected and impacted a lot of things. And now it turns out that that fight may not happen. What are your thoughts yeah. around that? Well, it's just COVID, really, isn't it? I mean, it's like, I know the purses are a little bit down when it comes to the zone as well. They lost a lot of subscriptions. So when you're on a, when you're on a, a platform like the zone, for instance, it's, it's a... It's they're, they're all working off budgets and, and how much they've got to invest and stuff. But I'm not sure what the what the business model is out with uh, with top rank, you know, because um, I don't think that's going to be a pay per view. So that'll have to just be like a TV licensing fee, and it'll be hard to, to somehow generate what I think Lopez wants three million dollars and and Lomachenko is getting a three point two million dollar package or something, you know, without without huge gates and without uh, a huge licensing fee from ESPN. I'm not, I'm just not that the one, I think they will probably be, you know, all, all generating the money off, uh, off, off the amount of viewerships that they're getting in. So I'm not sure whether they've had Shakur Stevens and stuff out there uh, boxing. So I, I don't know if their viewers, their viewing numbers are down that they might have to just be pulling back on some of the budget. So I don't know. It's, it's a fight that I think, you know, for Lomachenko's sake, you know, I would like it to get to get made because he's gets a chance to unify the division and stuff. And you know, he has he has boxed everybody, and he's uh, he's really he's really proven himself. But Lopez is already mentioning that this is his last fight, 135 pounds. He's he's crushed at the weight, and he's going to go up after this. And kind of seems like it's a bit of a defeated mentality. You know, it's it's uh, you know he's, he's he's a young lad, but to be wanting, I mean. To get one point, I think he was he was offered one point two five or something. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of leverage in that. So if you can you can bump that up a little bit, that's still decent money. Do you know what I mean? It's not like his career is going to be up, going to be over after it. You know, he's and if he really backs himself and believes in himself, he should take that because then he can. If he beats Lomachenko, it'll, it'll be worth millions after, like multi millions. So you know, it, it seems to me it seems like it's a slightly defeated mentality, but. Um, but look, it's a business, and you've got to make sure it's the it's the right decision. It's the, it's the, it's the right it's the right time and the right decision for the left. Final one on all things lightweight. Um, Devin Haney. I spoke to Eddie when I came down to fight camp the other day. The name that's been tossed about is Yuri Orkis Gamboa uh, for yeah. Devin Haney. What are your thoughts on that? He's an old man, isn't he? You know, it's it's a it's a good name for for Haney because it's actually someone you know with credit. Um, because everybody up until now he's he's, he's boxed nobody. So call it, he talks a good game. He talk, calls out all the big names, but then he ends up fighting nobody. So it'd be good if they could secure that one. But you know, as I mentioned as well, that there's still the potential of loot boxing Devin Haney. So um, 
yeah, we'll, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to see if that fight even comes off. I mean, Gamboa put in a good show in against Javante Davis. Davies looked a little bit. He hurt. He hurt Gamboa early, um, and then he was like loading up and looking for it. And someone that's as uh, slick and as skilled as Gamboa, like he was, he was able to sort of fiddle his way through rounds. He wasn't really winning rounds. He was just fiddling his way through. But you know, his his best days are well behind him. You know, well behind him. And um, you know, I know that I spoke to a Cuban coach uh, in Miami that used to train him, and he says. You know, he said he, he looked in the in the sky and there was star. He says he thinks he's a star. He's not. He's not willing to come into the gym. You know, and this is the problem with Gamboa. So um, you know that that mindset coming from Cuba, being so sectioned off, and then coming to Miami and then getting all that success years and years ago, getting money and getting the get, having the new lifestyle and stuff. It's uh, you know it, he's obviously he's obviously sort of enjoyed this new life but once again he, he boxes a flyweight in the olympics do you know what i mean he, he, should he be up at 135 pounds probably not which fight would you take for luke campbell if they were both offered and they're both the same money devin haney or ryan garcia <laughs> here's the thing it's all about the most important thing for for myself uh who's looking after luke is it's just about having a fair shake right You've got Floyd Mayweather, who's now coaching Devin Haney, who's heavily influenced the judges, right? Like, because, you know, he, he's such a powerful name. And then you've also you've got Ryan Garcia, whose who's gym mate is Canelo, who also is the, the number one pound-for-pound pound star in terms of... He's the biggest generator in the whole of boxing. So no matter what, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be up against it in terms of the, in terms of the judges. But I think... I think Luke Campbell will hit Ryan Garcia a hell of a lot more. He'll hit him. Uh, Garcia is da more dangerous, but he's way more he's way more open to get nailed. Um, fast, probably faster hand, harder puncher, but he's he's way more straight up and down. Whereas Devin is the sort of guy that like, you know, Luke's a counter puncher as well. I mean, going in against against Devin Haney, still think he, I still think he. He beats the he beats the pair of them in my opinion, uh, but if it's close rounds, Haney with his whole you know with his whole entourage and stuff, the the judges might be swayed towards him. So in terms of close rounds, so it's going to be hard to go out there and 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 have faith in the t have faith in the officials to make sure we get an even shake. Do you know what I mean? So it's just uh, it's a tricky situation, but. I think he beats either of them. I think Garcia, he's he's straight up and down. I think Luke will, you know, I think Luke will, will outbox him and 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 potentially knock him out. Well, we don't know how tough he, we don't know how tough he is. We don't know how good a chin, a chin he's got. We know how good a puncher he is, but he's in there with nobodies. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Devin Haney, I think he's a lot more schooled. He's better. He's, he's cuter. He's better behind the jab. But he's got better defense, and he's harder to hit clean. And um, but at the same time. You know, he's, he's not a big puncher and uh, he's, he's just a good sound all-rounder. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my assessment. I think Luke beats the pair of them, but I think in terms of, you know, uh, in terms of, like, I think Luke will, will, will be, a, you know, he'll be able, to, he'll be able to, to clearly win rounds against Ryan Garcia. You look forward to. I mean, this is something that we've spoken about in the past, and I know that trainers can have this 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 element to them, and I know that you respect Eddie Reynoso an awful lot. Would you be looking forward to pitting your wits against somebody like that? Definitely, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, I yeah, I like to I like to you know make sure I'm you know I'm in big fights, and I like I like to be involved in big big fights, and I take myself very seriously. I'm sure they do too, but you know I'd like to go up against someone like Reynoso, but you know, I wouldn't like to go up against him if he had Canelo in the corner, but <laughs> you know, if it's Ryan Garcia, I'll take it. We won't tell Fowler you said that, because he, he won't be happy. Well, Fowler's, he's, he's a light middleweight, not a light heavy. Canelo can do it all though, can't he, really? I've, if we can get him down to light middleweight, <laughs> I don't think we'll ever get back down to light middleweight, surely not. He's, he's definitely outgrown that way.
Lawrence Acoli, um saw some photos of him looking like he's enjoyed his lockdown in the gym. Um, how far are we away from an announcement about his world title fight? Um, we know what bill it's on. It's just we don't know exactly what time. He's going to be on the AJ card. Um, it's, it's, up to, it's very hard to... I mean, I, I don't know if you've been watching the news recently and there's more cases coming every day and... Yeah, you know, it worries me because you know if we're looking and we're waiting on a big on a big show like AJ, which is very, you know, like it needs a crowd, it needs the exposure, it needs the time to build up, all of that. It's it's it, there's there's one or two things that can happen. If there's a, if there's a tiny spike, that that shows get cancelled. Do you know what I mean? So I'd almost prefer if he, you know, took slightly less money but went on a on a normal show, like, and, and sort of headlined it. Do you know what I mean? But, um, but it's, it's Will and, and, and Freddie at, at 258 Management that, that they're negotiating with Eddie and that's, and that's, you know, that's their role. So it's up to them. But I've sort of stressed the fact that I, I would like him to get out as soon as possible for that, for that fight. But it is hard to, you know, Glowacki's a, a former world champion. He, he, he knows his worth, as it were. He's had two losses on his record. He's, it's hard to get guys like that that have had a couple of losses, but are, you know, at the end of their career or whatever. Um, and and yeah, I think he knows his worth. He knows what his, his value is, and, and it's it would be hard to generate that money um, to pay Lawrence and him with an undercard and stuff on just a, on just a normal Sky show. So um, yeah, I think we'll we'll have to wait our turn and we'll have to wait to to get out in the AJ card. But that could be end of November, December. That's that's what I've been told. How's Lawrence responded to, to lockdown and being out of the ring? He's kind of made a point of getting on with his career at a rate of not so far as a professional, and now he's out of the ring for an extended period of time when he's just about to fight for a world title. How's he responded to that? Yeah, it's a very good point. You know, he's been very busy throughout his, his, his uh, professional career. He was very busy in his amateur career as well. He only started boxing not too long ago. You know, 26 amateur fights, had 14 professional fights. They've all been crammed in. He hasn't had a break. And now he's out on a, on a break. And but the thing is, is, he has been in the gym. He's been doing eight, ten rounds of uh, with CBS sparring and stuff. And you know, Chris is razor sharp. He's really fit. So you know, he's he's had to sort of um, he's had to sort of come in into the gym and uh, and really up his game for the sparring sessions because you know he hasn't been as fit as he normally would be. So you know, it's, it's good for him to understand where he's at in terms of fitness. Um, but it, you know, the thing about Lawrence is, there's not no secret. He likes his grub, and he's he's a big lad. He's got a huge frame, and he's he's definitely sitting a little bit heavy, for for my liking. But um, but you know, it's uh, this this fight needs to come around soon because he needs to start cracking on and get and getting his his get getting his weight down and starting getting training because uh, you know, as you said, it's uh, you know, he, he probably works best when he is active. You know, when he is busy in the gym and stuff, and especially on that weight because. He is a big lump, and I don't think he'll be doing, you know, 200 pounds or 14.4 for for very long. You know, he's six foot six or just under it, um, and it, it is a bit of a struggle to get us down there. So it's, I, I would like him to get out, you know, reasonably soon, so or at least get a date soon, so he can start knuckling down and getting his weight down and uh, and getting serious again. He's uh, a rapper these days. Have you seen it? I, I, I think I saw something about that. Do you want to get out? I mean, it's really good. It's not bad. Um, it's not bad, mate. I mean, he's apparently he did it like four lines at a time. So he'll say like four lines and then he'll do another four lines, another four lines. He keep, he keep doing that every time. So I don't think he'll be any time getting up and, and like rapping on stage. Rapping himself to the ring like Adrian Broner. Um, 100%. I mean, we've, we've all heard this song. Far too many times, haven't we? Well, fast forward the intro because I don't think the intro. Yeah, the, the intro is not the best. So. Social distancing here. Oh. Yeah, we're all we're both clear from COVID.
Yeah, I already flagged for copyright. Copyright? He'll probably do you on that. William White versus Alexander Povetkin. What do you make of that fight? It seems like the closer that fight's coming, the more, from what I've seen, people are starting to um, realise the threat of Alexander Povetkin. What do you think? They're only just starting to realise the threat of Alexander Povetkin. I think when the fight was first announced, I don't know whether or not it was me or the kind of the, the opinions that I was seeing, but a lot of people were not, not underwhelmed. I think that's the wrong case, but I think a lot of people backed Dillian White very heavily in that fight, whereas I feel like mm. the closer the fight has come, Maybe COVID kind of interrupting preparations or something. Um, yeah, listen. I mean, like, I've wrote Dylan White off a lot of times. I've, I thought he was. I thought Parker was going to win on points. Uh, you know, and and he, you know, he proved he proved me wrong that night. And I think one thing's for sure: he's as he's as game as they come. Do you know what I mean? And he and he finds a finds a way to win all the time. Do you know what I mean? And. Um, you know, I think Povetkin is a is a dangerous guy. He's dangerous with that left hook, but he got stunned by uh, Michael Hunter in his last fight early on. He looked a little bit buzzed for a couple of rounds. So, and someone like Povetkin, that's that's that sort of let's say bully mentality. But he's he's a big, you know, he's a big lump. He's he's imposing. You know, he's always had a that big long left hook that he sort of throws. Um, you know, and I think if he's at this stage of his career, if he started to show vulnerabilities, he could walk into some shots uh, from from Dylan White. I mean, Dylan White buzzed Derek Chisora within the first round as well. So he's he's a, he's a quick start. He comes out if he if he can hit him and and get his authority early on. I think uh, I think I think he could potentially stop him. But the on the other hand, it's you know if if Povetkin can can uh, can take into the later rounds, you know, you see against, uh, you see against Joseph Parker, obviously he dropped Parker, but then he was vulnerable in the later rounds. And then you saw against uh, Rivas as well. He was dropped later on in the fight and stuff. So it's one of those, it's, uh, it's one of those to see if, if Povetkin has the engine to start pushing the fight late on. And if that, if that's the case, then I, I think it could get interesting, but, but I just think part of me feels that, that, um, Povetkin's best days are behind him, and I think White could get to him in you know six to eight rounds sort of time. It'll be a it'll be a huge statement. It'll be a huge win if if he does do that because yeah, you know, the only other pe the only other person to really do that is AJ that's done that to Povetkin and and uh, obviously Klitschko as well. But but um, you know he's he's a he's a handful for sure. Not quite the same the way Vlad did it. That was a very, very ugly fight. AJ, AJ cleaned him out, really, in seven rounds. Yeah, yeah, but, but Vlad did it in the 11th, didn't he, I think? I think he stopped him. Oh, no, he dropped him a load of times. Yeah, yeah, right. you know, so. uh, but was, once uh, again, that was when he was at his best, you know. Hmm. But he's had, he's, I know he's been done for PEDs and stuff, so, you know, in and around that time, then he had that Wilder fight that was lined up and he got done for PEDs as well. So, I mean, it's just... Uh, you never know. Okay. Icarus. Icarus indeed. Final fight I'd like to get your opinion on. I am, of course, going to ask you about the biggest heavyweight fight in the world right now. Roy Jones Jr. versus Mike Tyson. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, <laughs> that's, really got, that's really got Josh Richard over there. He really tickled him. Um, He's about he's about big enough to fight the winner, isn't he? <laughs> I think he should fight the winner. I I'd back him, and he's yeah he's not far off heavyweight these days. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a bit of a farce, but to be honest, I'll probably tune into it because who doesn't tune into a Mike Tyson fight? Um, Jones not so much. You know he's been he's been flattened a few times, and uh, you know uh, I, I I don't know I I I'm not really I think I think Tyson should should steamroll him to be honest because he's naturally the bigger man but but he's been out of the ring for so long <laughs> he could have like one unbelievable minute in him and then just go like straight downhill most guys when they get to that age they've got a good 60 seconds in them in the street fight web and then as soon as they're past that then they just go really heavy legged and slow but you know uh it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting can't remember who boxed that was um it was like I think it might have been like Tito Trinidad versus Fernando Vargas or something like that, or 
maybe it was some it was like in the Madison Square Garden it was years ago and the two of them were like way past their way past their prime and it, it was like it's like watching them in slow-mo so we might uh we might get another one of those I thought you were talking about the Phoenix Trio that Roy Jones fight which was quite like that as well was that it? That might have been it. That was a fight, though. That was a, that was an exhibition. The Tito boxed him at light heavyweight, I think. No, I'm pretty sure it was Vargas versus someone. No, Fernando no. Vargas versus someone. It I could was, have been Vargas. But Vargas, I knew I knew Vargas lost a hundred pounds for it, and I don't know who he boxed. It was could it have been Miorga? like Miorga. It could have been Miorga. I thought it was Tr- Trinidad, but it could have been Miorga, someone like that. And it was just like that. It was like watching him in slow mo. Have you said, like, so still, because they both slowed down so equally, it was like a very competitive fight. So this could be like, like Roy Jones could be blowing up with that triple left hook, like, bat, bat, bat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but that's that. I mean, it's, it's, it's billed as an exhibition, and the, the Athletic Commission, the, uh, the California State Athletic Commissioner said that if it goes beyond that, then he'll call the fight off and he'll pull people out of the ring and it won't, it won't essentially turn into a real fight. Now, when you're dealing with a Mike Tyson and a Roy Jones Jr., and they're so... I mean, you know what it's like... What gloves are they Do we know what gloves they're wearing? I think they're wearing 12-ounce gloves. 12s? No head guards. I mean... I, I, well, sorry, wait one sec. It's, it's uh, Joe calling me. My bad. Um, yeah, they're definitely going to punch through 12-ounce gloves, do you know what I mean? Especially if they're like horsehair. Depends, depends what, what foam it is. It could be, a, uh, could be a, an amateur, like, like a, a close, close gel foam almost, like a, 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 a dense foam. Or if it's like a horsehair foam mix, doesn't matter if it's 10s or 12s, they'll still, they'll still do damage. So... Uh, Oh yeah, I heard that exhibition chat as well, and and that seemed a little bit more like the Roy Jones side. But then I also saw Mike Tyson saying he's going to knock him out. So, you know, <laughs> that does not sound like an exhibition. I wouldn't want to get involved in an exhibition with Mike Tyson because he's got he's got a switch. You know what I mean? So he might play all Mr. Nice Guy, and then you hit him with a decent shot, and then he just ah, he just turns on you. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, I mean Jones is Jones is a brave man, but you know. Uh, I, I don't know. I think Mike Tyson's best days are behind him. Well behind him. Okay, well, before I let you go, um, this is something that's just popped into my head to speak about. Um, I'm sure that you'll have a very interesting insight into Frank Warren versus Eddie Hearn, the Queensbury call-outs of Matchroom and Sky. Uh, we've had that in the last 24 hours. What are your thoughts? I was very, very, very surprised, as I'm sure you were, to see that. Um, yeah, thoughts. Um, have you spoke to Eddie about that or not? Uh, I have reached out to him. He's not um, got back to me as of yet. Not commenting. Okay. Um, I think well, he's commented in the mirror. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think that the, his response was he wants to get the most important fight made, which was Fury versus AJ. But. Um, no, it seems like a strange call out. It seems like you know the the Yarde versus Boatsy fight. I think that would that would be a decent fight, um, you know. But it, it how I don't understand how it will get made. Whether it will be broadcast on both channels, but I know that the viewership of BT is very very down. Like it's, you know he's been having like three thousand views or something on on uh, on his on his TV and I think uh, on, on on his fight nights and. Um, the TV numbers have been down. I think I think Eddie had over two hundred thousand on the on the Sky one, the matchroom. Obviously, Sky boxing has been around for longer and it's more established. But you know, I, I don't know whether that is a BT Sports putting it on Frank Warren to say, okay, make these big fights happen. Uh, why don't you guys go up against each other? Um, but I think it, I think it's interesting. I think it's got legs, but I just don't think it will ever ever happen or, or materialise. Why not? Just because of egos. I don't think the two of them can sit in a room together, never mind, you know, like sit down and negotiate 14 fights or whatever they're, they're proposing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, and I think 
Frank's put his like his A side up there, and I don't think he's sort of put like some B's and C fighters for, from Eddie's. Do you know what I mean? I think Eddie's got a lot of fighters now in the UK, but also a lot in, in America as well. So I'm sure. Um, no, I'm sure there's some there's some great fights, and I I know from 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 a selfish standpoint, there's Fowler versus James Metcalf in there, and I think that would be a good fight. But um, you know, so so and Boatsy versus uh, Boatsy versus Anthony Yardi, I'd love to see that fight. I wouldn't really want to see Nathan Gorman versus Dave Allen though. Do you know what I mean? Because Nathan Gorman would just like plow straight through him. So. Um, you know, I think if, as long as the fights are well matched, then um, then I think it's a good idea. But I I just I just think from a from a negotiation standpoint, you know, it, they'll start sitting up. They don't have to negotiate one time. They're going to have to negotiate every single fight. <laughs> you know, and it's not like Eddie will say to him, "Yeah, that's sweet, mate." You know, we'll take the Yardy Boatsy fight. You know, you can take the Dave Allen versus Nathan Gorman fight. You know, for for your TV and then. BT or like, no, we want we want that fight, and that's where the problems are going to be, you know, um, unless it's a unless it's a joint television venture, and I, that's only happened once, and that was Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. I don't think it's going to be happening on fourteen different occasions. Sounds like a door, mate. Um, yeah, so I, that that's that's just my take on it. Okay, look at the size of him. Look at him. Okay, he's a mass. He's a unit. 50 kilo dumbbells for 8 to 10 reps. Freak. Does 100 pull-ups a day and 200 press-ups. I just talking about size, mate. I'm yeah. interview, don't worry about it. He has, to walk, he has to walk everywhere sideways, mate. <laughs> okay, well, I think we're about there. Oh, here he is. <laughs> the gentleman. He's been out in the corridor like that. <laughs> that was, a, that that was a really weird cutaway, that one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, okay. I've got my coffee shop here basically, so I'll yeah, show come, you. Show us your coffee. You so we've got, uh, we've got Oatly. All right, I bought myself in a, a microwave and stuff. We've got uh, got some broths, got some some fridge in there that I've also brought in. That's um, that's my uh, sort of choices of milk and stuff. Here is a milk frothing machine, so. I'm sure put it, put it over here so we make lattes and then um we got we got this little instant fantastic instant coffee tm shout out um yeah so everyone's coming around for some coffees and some porridge and stuff and it's uh it's a good laugh mate you know we, we're missing a chessboard but we got a pack of cards and <laughs> he's wearing my <laughs> Blu-ray glasses that I wear at night time to block out Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Yeah, well, blue, blue light, <laughs> blue light, <laughs> blue light glasses. I should say. <laughs> yeah. It's like in Bono over here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that, mate. Lockdown's got us, got us mad. Yeah, I mean, you're all quite bizarre on fight week anyway, but but this has been an experience. Is it? I bet you're really getting some serious FOMO there, mate. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a that's a genuine yes. Yeah. Uh, no, mate, he is. He's before we turned this camera record on, he was complaining about how much he was gutted. I'm not, I'm not assaulting in the wounds or anything, but you know, it, it, it's not been ideal since people having such a problem about it. But it's not about me. You are greatly missed. Thank you very much. Well, hopefully, get some fans in for uh, Garcia Campbell, and I can come with you. Get some fans in. So, well, I can attend the event, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, is that so? So, but they won't put a fan in. You'd have to go in as a media, or else, you know. <laughs> so you've got to rephrase that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's Garcia's not going to give you any interviews if you're just going to say if you let some fans in, <laughs> I can team. I can go and team Campbell. There's, there's not a great deal of difference between fans and media members these days, Shane, as you well know. I well know that, mate. That's, uh, oh, God, we're so, we're so bitter and fickle, aren't we? Fucking. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I get that, mate. I, I, I understand. 
Okay, well, Shane McGuigan, always a pleasure catching up with you. Um, thanks very much for speaking to Fox and Social. Chris Bill and Smith, I really wish you would move out of shot. Oh, mate, it's brutal. <laughs> I mean, he's, You're right in the middle of it. He's on, he's, on, he's on the spare bed, so at least he's not contaminating my, my real bed. <laughs> okay, well, have lots of fun. I'm sure I'll chat to you um, soon. But, yeah, thanks for speaking up to social. Shame Cheers, again. mate. Thank you, as always. And uh, we'll give you a shout after, either after the weigh-in or after the fight. All right? Cool. Thanks very much. Yeah, mate. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.